In this episode of Octal FM, Gelada and I discuss the history of local area network PC gaming, where it's come from, where it's going to, as well as things to consider if you want to run your own events, big or small. Welcome to another episode of Octal FM. I'm Sefran, and today we're with Gelada again. Hello. And today we're going to discuss something kind of similar to what we were discussing about last episode, if you were listening, or if not, you can go and listen to it after this one, which is LAN events, local area network gaming, essentially. Um, we did quite a enjoyable episode last week, didn't we? Yeah, it was really good. I really enjoyed um, talking about all the different games that you can play at a LAN event. And that got us thinking about lands in general. And we thought about it kind of halfway through the recording. We were like, does everybody know what a LAN is and how to run one and like, you know, what goes into it? And we thought, possibly not. And it's something we're quite passionate about. So we thought we could talk about it on our podcast because, you know, it's ours and we'll talk about what we want, damn it. <laughs> That's what it's there for, for us to just. Uh, pretty rub much. It on. It's just our soundboard, isn't it, really? Yeah, exactly that. So we thought we'd discuss like how to run one. More importantly than that, where they came from, like the history of the of LAN events, because that's quite important as well. And if you're even remotely interested in kind of the gaming's heritage, there's a lot there. There definitely is. And in fact, and LAN parties and, and LAN events have been going for a very long time, and they share some sort of common themes with something you may be familiar with, even if you're not familiar with LAN parties, and that's things like internet ca- cafes um, and gaming centres. That's really interesting because I hadn't ever considered the fact that internet cafes are essentially small LAN events that are always open. Yeah, exactly that. You know, there's lots of computers there. They're all connected to the same network and sometimes you're allowed to play games on them. But the difference between an internet cafe or a gaming center um, and a LAN event or a LAN party is that LANs are not permanent. So you almost always have to bring your own computer or BYOC Uh, And that's the key difference between the two. And LAN events started all the way back, actually, in the 80s, late 80s and early 90s. Which absolutely blows my mind, because when everyone thinks of LANs nowadays, you think of either the massive kind of like huge corporate event ones that we'll talk about later, or you think of like, you know, Xbox LANs, you know, when you Mm. play Halo together around your friend's house with your different TVs and Mm. consoles. Yeah, exactly. But when they started... Gaming wasn't really the primary thing. Um, And in fact, they really kind of formed out of what you would now perhaps call, I don't know if they called it this at the time, but but now you would call a copy party. And what that was, was that was when, you know, everyone had very slow internet or maybe even no internet at all, but people wanted um, software and and games and things like that. And as long as there has been software, there has always been software piracy. There has always been people copying software and giving it to people for free instead of paying for it. And so a copy party was an event where people would come and bring their computers and bring all of their software that they owned or had copies of, and everyone would share it. And you'd also talk about computers and, you know, talk about software and things like that and all of that sort of thing. And it was basically just a big sharing fest of just sharing software with each other. Which was probably quite difficult to organise back then because, again, internet was quite a, a new thing. It yeah. wasn't 
anywhere near as widespread as it later became or is nowadays. So it was a it was really kind of like a an invite only kind of thing. You know, you had to know a guy that knew a guy who was running one of these kind of uh, events. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you go back far enough, then this kind of thing happened on bulletin board systems, which is kind of pre-internet. Um, and I guess also that would be where a copy party would be organized. There's some really interesting history around software piracy, which is where these copy parties then evolved. So when software was copied or or stolen, if you want to be controversial, it would often have some kind of protection that stopped it from being copied, you know, in some way or another. Maybe it's a, a serial number or it's a particular type of software trick or programming trick. And there were a lot of people, very talented people, who in their spare time just tried to break this copy protection like it was a challenge and there would be different groups of people who grouped together and their their job or their their role was to um, find copies of new software break the copy protection as fast as they can and then release it for anyone to download for free or or go to a copy party and, and share for free and there definitely used to be some level of competition there as well. Like you get different groups trying to outdo one another and get that software done quicker or more efficiently with less bugs in them. Exactly. And one of the things that sort of evolved out of this, because these guys, you know, they were very good at what they did. They were very good at breaking software, which is a particularly difficult thing to do and is an interesting skill. And what they would do is they would find a way to show off to the other groups. And one of the ways that they did that was that when you opened this cracked you know, piece of software that you'd got for free or game or whatever, there would be an intro at the start and it would be some kind of graphical sort of fancy showy thing that perhaps like said the name of the team that cracked it. Maybe it like called out on the other teams that didn't manage it in time. You know, there was sort of some, some friendly rivalry going on. And these would be very, very small file size. Like they would be very, very efficiently programmed and efficiently written because you had this piece of software they didn't want to like take up loads of, of space with this fancy intro because no one would download it because everyone had really slow internet and even if you weren't necessarily downloading it you only had limited amounts of file size and things like floppy disks exactly time. but these would be very like graphically clever like they would do really clever things maybe they had like cool water effects or they like used procedural generation which we talked about in in our no man's sky episode um, all kinds of like clever little tricks to make something look really cool and really amazing, but in a re- very, very small file size. And they'd even use things like chipsy music as well. Yes. That was kind of like one of the areas where that first, first started too. Absolutely. The idea of like electronic beeps and boops making quite a cool kind of techno dance music style yeah. uh, track on like these tiny little file sizes. Yeah, a lot, a lot of chipsy music came from these these intros. So what would then happen is at these copy parties, part of that would then be people swapping and sharing these intros and and they were called demos. So there's a there's a sort of collective term for this this world of people writing these things called the demo scene. And over time what would happen is you'd have these copy parties but actually like these demos were becoming bigger than the software piracy. So it now became less about pirating software and attaching your intro to the start of the software and more about just building those intros and and designing them and and programming them and creating them. Um, And so now you had these things called demo parties. um, And these were much more popular in Europe. They they were not really a thing in the States. Um, But this was sort of, you know, 80s and 90s still. Um, And now you would have competitions where people would bring their computers again and they would 
compete and they would show off their demos that they'd written and there would be a competition and like what you would be able to vote um, on which one you thought was the best it was the most imaginative or was the most interesting or was you know used the most clever tricks in in its programming these were kind of a heritage of things like uh, get, uh, the games jams you get nowadays where mm. game developers go and try and make kind of these small little games in no more than say six eight ten hours or something that had to fit within a certain file size and they developed everything on site that kind of thing like that was very much uh, this is kind of the almost originator of all that you're absolutely right i'd never even thought of that but yeah there's, they're absolutely um related to each other um definitely and all the time at these events, the copy parties and the demo parties and stuff, you know, people were bringing their computers together and they were they were playing games at the same time. And so, what you then had over, you know, over time is that as there were more PC games and there were more multiplayer games, and that's what we touched on in our previous episode, people now started to come to these events, these demo parties, and they would play games. Now you've got tournaments for games as well, and people just you know hooking their computers up and all playing games. And that is kind of where we are today. That's where we've we've come through this. You know, it's ne- it's no longer about software piracy, which I think is really funny that you can basically trace LAN parties all the way back to people, you know, just wanting to get the latest software for free. <laughs> um, but that's where we are today. You know, demo parties are still a thing, um, a little bit, and the demo scene is still a thing, but it's you know it's much less of a thing than it was. Um, and instead, LAN parties have really taken its place. And now. When you look at LAN parties today and some of the larger events that we're going to talk about, we're now moving more towards esports, and esports becoming really a global and a, an internationally recognised thing. Well, we discussed this in the previous episode again, where and I, I think kind of one of some of the articles we were re- reading about uh, for research this episode mentioned that kind of LAN parties have been left behind very much by the advent of super fast internet, like fibre optic speeds. Uh, and to some extent, that's true because I mean, one of the things we were looking at in one of those articles was like ten megabits of speed on on a local area network. It's like, well, my fiber optic connection is actually better than that now. So yeah. <laughs> why why do I need to sit next to someone? But like you say, that's a really good progression away from the necessity of lands to the desire to have the social aspects of lands, but also the esports scene where even though you could easily do all of this online, often you do, you have things like Twitch uh, to kind of stream those those big events, like the big esports events. But it's that sense of um, the crowd sense when everyone's there kind of cheering for who they want to win and there's a spectacle of it all, you know, and it's big business as well. So they're going to always do it, you know, big businesses are going to put that forward to make money, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, when we run through some of the some of these stats and figures for the for, for some of the larger events, it makes you realise that there is no way that land parties are being left behind um, in any way at all. Um, in fact, if anything, that you know, attendance at land parties, even bringing your own PC, has never been larger. One of the most well known land parties that if you have if you're interested in esports at all, you may have heard of, is one called DreamHack, um, and DreamHack is in Sweden. And it started all the way back in 1994, so really at the early days of of LAN parties. And it was 40 people, it was 40 school kids who took over their school cafeteria one weekend and all got together and played games. And they were in that school cafeteria three times until they grew to (laughs) over 100 people and they were like, we might need to find somewhere else to do this. It's amazing how small these big events started. Yeah. Um, and it's been going on since then. It's now in a massive convention center in Sweden. And there are over 30,000 people who attend for 
the event in general over the weekend that it runs. And of those 30,000, 10,000 bring their computers. So there are 10,000, we've gone from 40 people in 1994 to 10,000 people all bringing their equipment and all setting up in this huge convention center, all on the same network, all playing games together. Which the logistics of alone are just mind boggling. And we'll discuss about that a little bit more in a bit. But just try and imagine seeing 10,000 people, like that hard enough as it is, but now try and think of 10,000 people with a computer, and a yeah. monitor, <laughs> and a keyboard, and a mouse, and a chair. You know, just that's so much equipment. It is, it is. And it takes place across about three or four different halls. They are one of the largest esports tournaments. They run tournaments for everything from Counter-Strike Global Offensive to League of Legends. There's also a, a cosplay competition and loads of like companies come to sell equipment and things like that. Yeah, and demo their stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely huge. One of the things that I just thought of then when you're talking about things like the, the cosplay side of things and the demoing of all the big companies like the booths set up, it lands a kind of melding away from these quite inclu- sorry, exclusive events where you only go if you're interested in the gaming side of things to kind of like a, just a general gaming festival almost. Yeah. Definitely. So, like, like the numbers themselves show it. Like, thirty thousand people went to like DreamHack quite recently, whatever event it would have been. But only a third of them took their own computer, which means twenty thousand people were there for the esports side of things, the, the you know the cosplay side of things, the friendship side of things, the social part, you know. And it just shows that th- these are becoming more of an a uh, an outlet for people to go and do what they enjoy, even if it isn't necessarily committing to like four or five days of pure gaming hell on your body (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly i mean they call themselves a digital festival you know that's that they they don't say that they're a lamb party even though that's a huge part of what they do obviously they do consider themselves a festival exactly it's very much about the culture as a whole and there's another large land as well that is close to our hearts and that's um, the multiplayer insomnia series which is based here in the uk this started a little bit later than dreamhack it started in 1999 and they had about 300 people. So they started off quite big, actually, straight away. They now have between 1,500 and 2,000 people who attend with their computers. And again, they also have tens of thousands of people that attend for the tournaments. They also run a lot of esports tournaments. It actually started out in an army base in Bista. They now take over the NEC in Birmingham. Which is pretty big because it's one of the largest event spaces in the UK, I think, the NEC, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it must be. It's huge. And I think they still run three a year. I'm not actually 100% sure. Well, they did when we used to attend them fairly yeah. regularly. Yeah, exactly. So those are two big examples. There are loads of others as well. There are a lot of huge lands and there are a lot of small lands as well. And you may be thinking, you know, this sounds great. Like, uh, you know, I, I want to run a LAN myself. And they can really range from from three people up to, you know, 10,000 people, 3,000 people. or Depending on how much space you've got and yeah. all the other things you're going to need. And so we thought that it would be interesting to talk about the kind of things that you would need to run a land for yourself. There's a few basic things you've got to consider, isn't there, when you're you're trying to set up a land. What would be the kind of the first thing you think you'd need to really think about when you want to get one going? Well, I think you need to have an idea of size, first of all, of the number of people that are going to come so that you can then pick a venue which is actually really challenging and not something that I even necessarily have that much experience or advice to give because we've always run LAN parties in people's houses. But if you're running a larger LAN, you you really need to think about 
where on earth you are going to host it. Because as you're going to discover as we go through this list, you have some unusual requirements. It's not a conference. Yeah, you know, it's not um, it's not something that you can easily run in just a random hall somewhere or something like that. Um, so you do need to have a think about that. You you might have somewhere in mind that maybe you know someone and you think, oh yeah, that would be really good. Like this, maybe a community hall or maybe a hotel conference suite or something like that. But it can be a real challenge to find an event. You know, we're talking about these big lands, um, you know, taking over massive warehouses and, and event space like the NEC. But when you've got maybe 20 people that want to come to your LAN, you're not going to take over somewhere that large. Um, of course not. And you got to you got to take into consideration things like the size of the venue, obviously, to make sure it fits everyone. But then you've also got to think about things like: is it going to be cool enough in the summer to be able to make sure people are comfortable? Is it going to be warm enough in the winter to make sure people aren't freezing to death at their desks? Is there going to be enough space for people to be able to move about and actually have their stuff? Or you know, all these things are, are quite small niggles almost, mm. but they're very important to an enjoyable LAN. Yeah, they are. So a venue is is a big challenge, um, and that's really something that you're just it's just a case of going out there and trying and speaking to people, you know, finding out about event spaces near you, and trying to find one that's receptive to hosting a LAN, um, and also is suitable and, and ticks all the other boxes as well. And is it going to cost you a fortune at the same time? Absolutely. And one of the other big, from a technical point of view, there are really two very very key things to think about. And to be clear. If you're just running a LAN where there's three or four of you, you probably don't need to worry about any of this stuff. But as soon as you get beyond, I would say, six people or six yeah, or seven definitely. people, you really need to start thinking about the technical aspects. And one of those is power. It's interesting because we take it so much for granted, don't we? We just think, we well, just plug your computer in the wall and off you go and it works, which is, like you say, true of maybe just three or four people. But when you've got, say, six or 10 or 20 or 30 people... There's no way a house, a single house, could accommodate for that much power without other safeguards in place. Absolutely. I tend to use, as a rough guide, I tend to think that each person consumes about two amps of power, um, which is a measure of, of electrical usage. And if you think, and to be clear, we're talking about the UK here. In America, it's very different because the voltage is half, so they consume even more current. But if you think that your average house, your your downstairs in your house might support 30 amps as a maximum. So that's 15 people potentially that you can you can host, but that's not including lights and, and everything else that's going on in your house at the same time. And the last thing you want is for you to all be playing a game and then your fuse blows. <laughs> and everyone's I mean, that's computer's just not good. Off. That is just not cool. And the thing is, is that you also need to think about what happens when you're all playing a game and then someone goes and puts the kettle on or someone goes and turns the microwave on. All of which are kind of staples within a house and especially if you're still trying to use the house as also a living space to some extent as well. Yeah, or indeed any space. Um, you know, if you've got some event space that also has a kitchen, um, something like that, if it's a larger LAN. So you do need to think about power requirements and how you're going to get power to everyone's computer, but also how you're going to have everyone able to have their computer on at the same time and computers use more power when they're doing something challenging and nothing is more challenging than playing a game for a computer so Pretty that's much. when they consume the most power which is interesting because although you might have a really nice big spacious house that you say yeah my house could easily accommodate for 20 people cost maybe two rooms 
can the house's power accommodate for that many people? Yeah. Possibly not. Um, and actually, it's funny because the very first multiplayer Insomnia event, which was the events we were talking about earlier, they blew a fuse or like a circuit breaker at the local electricity substation <laughs> because they were using too much power, which is hilarious. So power is one thing you need to think about. You also need to stop people um, daisy chaining all their extension boards and things like that, which is just a fire risk. Do not daisy chain extension boards, <laughs> even though we do, but I'm not condoning it. And you've also got to make sure that people don't draw too much power as well. So make sure people aren't bringing things like little mini fridges because oh, they yeah. use a surprising amount of power. <laughs> That's, um, that was actually a rule, wasn't it, on the multiplayer? I mean, like, yeah, it, I don't know if it still is because it haven't been for a while now. But when we used to go a few years ago, there, there was very clear rules about you could not take things like hot plates with you or kettles or mini fridges because they drew more, much more power. And although one or two people doing it isn't that big a problem if you've got a hundred people doing that your power network cannot cope yeah exactly um and the other thing that you need to think about is your internet connection and your network a lot of people nowadays when they think of their internet connection they think wi-fi but you are really going to struggle to have wi-fi for you know a lot of people all in very close proximity and a lot of people don't have wireless network support in their pcs they only have that in their laptops or in their phones mm -hmm. um, so you really need to have a wired network that everyone can connect to a lan in fact <laughs> look at that it's come full circle and to do that you really just need at least one cable for everyone uh, one network cable for everyone and you need enough network ports for that to plug into and this is actually surprisingly simple. So you probably have like a router where your internet comes into your house and that probably has some network ports on it. Maybe it has four. If your LAN only has four or five people, then that's great. You can just use, use your router. But if you have some more people, then you will need to buy what is called a network switch. And think of that as like an extension lead for your network. A network switch will have say eight ports on it and that's how many network cables you can connect to it so you really need enough ports for every person that is going to attend your LAN and yeah if you were running a huge LAN you would need to employ a company that knows their stuff um, and you would not be buying this equipment you would probably be hiring it because some of it can really can genuinely cost thousands and thousands of pounds but you also need to think a little bit about your internet as well again for small LANs it becomes more of just an education piece where you just tell everyone, you know what, before you arrive, make sure your PC is up to date, download all your games, because you you can't have everyone turn up at your events, at your venue, and everyone starts downloading the games all at the same time because they're just all going to take forever unless you've yeah. got a very fast internet connection. And even then, it's still going to be slower than it would otherwise necessarily be. It is, exactly. And there are some things that you can do which we'll touch on towards the end um, to kind of help help this. But broadly speaking... You know, you are going to have a lousy internet connection for the duration of your of your events because you've got a lot of computers all doing stuff all at the same time. You know, there's someone's on YouTube and someone else is doing this and whatever. Exactly. So it's important to make sure that your your LAN's kind of network and power and the, the technological infrastructure is, is sound and, and stable because otherwise your LAN's just going to start, start falling apart. Think people are going to like waiting when that what until the one guy that knows his stuff can fix the problem which means it's not fun for him but there's also a lot of other things to consider about lands as well and um, one of the things that we were talking about as well is the things like furniture yeah absolutely people when they come to a land party they are sitting down for a really long time you know you're playing games all the time you're sat at your your table so it's really important to make sure that everyone can be comfy 
you know, you may not have a whole bunch of spare, like amazing chairs around, but make sure that you've got some cushions that people can use, you know, make sure that you've definitely got enough chairs for all the people that are coming um, and that they're not, you know, they're not falling apart or anything like that because you're going to be sat in them for a long time each day. And also make sure that you've got enough tables and that you've got a decent amount of space for each person. We ha- we get six foot tables for two people, so three foot per person, which is quite big. You can definitely get by with a smaller amount of space. But yeah. remember that some people bring large monitors or, you know, they've got lots of extra peripherals maybe. Maybe they've, you know, they play games with a joystick and so they need some space for that, um, stuff like that. You know, it's better to give people more room than less. And also people like to eat at their desk when they're playing games. So you need a little bit of space around you to be able to eat and stuff like that. And let's face it, not a lot of people are going to have those kind of levels of furniture available just in their house, you know. So I know, for example, you you go to a company and kind of hire some trestle tables for the weekend Yeah. Uh, when we do run the lands. And then some people bring their own chairs, for example, and it's also really advisable to do things like maybe bring your own pillow or a duvet if it's going to be cold in the in the winter, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, you should definitely give people a list and a s- suggestions of ideas, you know, say to people, yeah, bring bring some p- pillows, bring your chair if you want to bring your chair, um, you know, stuff like that. Just remind people to think about their own comfort because people often forget that kind of thing when they're coming yeah, they to an event. Bring my computer, bring my monitor, that's it, I'm good to go. Yeah. But... I mean, maybe your land organizer has sorted out a chair for you or has sorted out, like, you know, some level of comfort for you, but maybe they haven't. And even if they have, make it easier on them by bringing your own stuff that way, but they've got extra in case someone else hasn't, you know? Yeah, exactly. And yeah, you can definitely go to local companies to try and hire some of this equipment. If you find the right one, it's not too expensive. And if you are taking over a particular venue, then you really are going to have to hire. Or maybe the venue has some furniture already, but they tend not to have comfy chairs. That's that's kind of one of the main things is finding some reasonable chairs that are the same height as your tables um, can be quite a challenge. Often companies that um, hire out tables will often hire out chairs that are the correct height for the tables and stuff like that. So do think about that. But all that, making sure you've got all that equipment in terms of the power and the network, making sure you've got the right furniture, making sure you've got the right venue, all these things can unfortunately drive cost up. So it's really important to decide how you're going to manage attendance of your LAN Mm. and if you're going to charge for it or if it's going to be like a voluntary thing. You know, there's a lot to think about there. Yeah, there is a lot to think about and and it's a big challenge. As an organiser, you need to be able to know and with confidence how many people are coming to your LAN. So you may want to think about having a ticketing system so that people can reserve spaces, even if you're not going to charge. Most LANs, if you have to hire out a venue, then you're almost certainly going to be charging for the event. And that's really down to you to decide you know, how, you want to, how much you want to charge. Larger events like multiplayer um, are, are actually really quite expensive. They are. I mean, I think the basic ticket is like eighty pounds mm, now, and mm. then I think if you want the early bird where you turn up the night beforehand, it's an extra twenty pounds. So I mean, you think that's just a hundred pounds for the ticket, and then you've got to pay for like your camping sites if you want to camp, and then you've got to pay for everything else like your food and your fuel to get there if you're driving, or train costs or whatever to get there. It's quite an expensive event if uh, it, it all adds up quite quickly. Yeah, absolutely. And I do genuinely think that the reason why these tickets are so expensive is because it is expensive to run a LAN. And I think it gets exponentially more expensive as they get larger, you know, because you've got so much more to think about. Definitely. And it's not like the companies are necessarily going out of the way to make money from the tickets themselves because they'll be making a lot of money from other things such as like the companies coming to demo 
their their mm. gear and their kind of their, their tech that they want to, to sell. Uh, yeah. They're also going to be making money off of things like the food costs and all those kind of extra events you can attend. You know, that's that's where they're making a lot of their profit for it. And it's most, like you say, it's almost like a big advertisement for them. So yeah. they're not putting those ticket prices up high because they know they can make more money necessarily. They're doing it because it costs them a lot of money to run these events. And the other things to think about sort of come along with the with the comforts side of things. And this can really vary depending on the size of your land. If it's just four or five people, then you don't need to think too much. But larger lands you do. Or how locally it is as well. Yeah, and yeah, exactly how local it is. If it's all friends that live locally, then you don't need to worry too much. But that's um, sleeping arrangements and food arrangements. Sleeping arrangements in particular depends a lot on the type of people that you're expecting to come to your events and how much they're likely, you know, sometimes you go to an event and everyone just stays up the whole time and hardly gets any sleep in which case you probably don't need to worry too much about yeah. how people, people just live. crash on the couch or yeah. crash in their their chairs for like five hours or something like you probably less mm. you know job done but then i think this that was certainly what we were sort of like when we were younger but you know we're in our like mid to late 20s now and we don't want to be doing that <laughs> i want to get some sleep man exactly and <laughs> and you know you get to the point where also if you're if you're lacking in sleep and you're lacking in in decent food, you get very grumpy. And when you've got a whole bunch of people together, you're spending a lot of time together for a weekend. Mm. You do not want everyone getting super grumpy because they're tired. That is not going to no. be fun, especially if you're playing any competitive games. People are going to start getting super grumpy. So it is good to think about sleeping arrangements. If it's a large event, then you kind of have no choice other than one room that is a designated quiet room where people can go and set up a sleeping bag or a camp bed and everyone sort of beds down in in one large room. For smaller events, you can think about letting people camp if there's an area for camping, or maybe you have managed to find a friendly hotel or something like that that's giving you their conference space. Maybe that hotel will give you a good deal on uh, on some room on some rooms, rooms there, yeah. so that people can if they choose if they want to, people can buy a hotel room um, and stay there. There's lots of different solutions to the sleeping problem, but there's a lot of ways that it will not work either if you don't think about it. Yeah, absolutely. And the same with food arrangements as well. You know, it's obviously people can bring their own food, but do think about even if it's just making sure that you've got them, you know, the numbers of the lo- of the best local takeaways, you know, so that people know where they can call. Maybe you could do a big order um, of pizza or something like that if people if people like pizza. People do tend to eat junk food at lands. That's not necessarily a prerequisite. You don't have to do it like that. Um, in fact, it might be better to to not have loads of junk food because I think that just doesn't help with how people feel when they're not necessarily getting much sleep. Yeah. They're just sat around all the time and they're eating loads of junk food. So, you know, you you decide based on the type of people that are coming to your event how you want to Definitely. do that. Um, and if it's a large event, if it's a huge event like DreamHack and Multiplay, then you probably want to find some local businesses that would be interested in in setting up setting up shop um, or providing you know providing food for your attendees. It, yeah, it's important to make sure that people are fed because, like you say, they're spending a lot of time in the same area together. You know, and if people are hungry or they're eating just junk food the whole time, they're not going to be feeling very good. Uh, no matter what gamers say, you know, although they can, you know, love to sit there and eat all the junk food and drink all the kind of fizzy drinks, everybody needs a good meal. And yeah. if you can have a good meal throughout the event, then you're just going to enjoy yourself even more. And there's a social element to it as well, right? Because in our most recent land that we did, half the time we had fun was when we were kind of stood in the kitchen eating pizza, drinking a beer, you know, we weren't 
having a party, so to speak. We were just socializing between yeah. games, and that's an important part of it too. Yeah, absolutely. It is, very much so. So they're the kind of main sort of things that you need to think about. You know, think about people's comforts and also some of the technical side of things like power and, and networking. There's also a couple of other things you could think about when you're planning your LAN. Maybe you... Um, you want to run some tournaments, you know, have a think about if it's large enough, you could consider getting some prizes. Uh, maybe you could get some sponsorship from local businesses or even from larger businesses. If you're ru- running a larger LAN, you should also definitely, as we've touched on, think about the networking issues that you're going to have and the internet issues that you're going to have. Multiplayer in particular, they run what is called a cache, where they, they sort of funnel everyone's internet and downloads through one central place so that they can then store that so that when you download League of Legends and I download League of Legends, we don't both have to download it out of the internet. We can actually just download it from somewhere in the venue itself. So that's worth thinking about setting up as well, because that can make a huge difference to the quality of your of your internet and your connection. But yeah, we ha- we hope that that's given you some ideas and made you think, yeah, yeah, I could totally run run a LAN party. Um, with, I've got some friends who'd love to do it. And, you know, and maybe actually, or maybe you already run, you already get together um, you know, three or four of you, and you're thinking, yeah, actually, it would be really cool to run something a little bit bigger. You know, I've got some space, or I know someone who's got some space, and you know, I wanna, I wanna try and and uh, you know, make it more like ten, maybe fifteen people. And so now you've got an idea about the things that you need to think about. And if there's anything that you want us to expand on a bit more, because we've got some decent experience between the two of us for for running lands over the past kind of ten years yeah. or so. How many lands have we run in total? I would say it oh, must be approaching okay. twenty. Yeah, it's, I think it's minimum that now, actually, yeah. in total. Yeah. Uh, and we've also been to some of the bigger, like, multiplayer ones as well, you know. Yeah. So if you do want us to elaborate on something, obviously that we've not had chance to go into great detail in the episode, just give us a shout and, you know, let us know what you want to talk about some more. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can send us an email, as always, at show at octal.fm. You can tweet us, so long as it's a short little little tiny question um <laughs> by, by how or, do i land yeah yeah how do how do land it can be a bit longer than that <laughs> um but we, yeah we're on twitter at octal fm and you may want to go back and listen to that episode that we did uh, about good land good party land games gaming, yeah. yeah you know we've now told you how to run one and if you haven't listened to it then definitely go back and find out about all the cool games that you can play at a land because that <laughs> might give you some inspiration to want to run a land in the first place because there's some very cool games with a lot of really cool potential that are in a land setting more than an internet setting it is a lot of fun you know don't believe the articles on the internet lands are definitely not dead um, and you should totally run one yourself um, but yeah you can go and download that old episode along with all of our other episodes on our website which is octal.fm we'll most likely discuss lands again in future because it's something that we do fairly regularly and we're quite passionate about mm. uh, and maybe we'll come up with some other interesting talk points about it yeah absolutely but for now I've been Sefran and I've been Gelada and we hope you enjoy listening to us talk about one of our favourite things everything isn't it can you think of anything oh you've stopped your recording no i'm here no i'm here oh you're here there you go (laughs) sorry i just zoned out for a minute there oh yeah it's like we it's almost like we planned it
<laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Uh, we totally know what we're doing. <laughs>